1: hello and welcome this is talk the plank episode 89 of pittsburgh pirates podcast on sp nation's bucks dugout i'm nathan hirsch i'm back from my holiday sickness and i'm with jake slobodnik and this is the first time that we've spoken in a few weeks here jake Awesome listen last week. How's it going?
0: First of all, thank you, man. Second of all, it's going pretty well. It's been a busy week, and it's going to get busier as we head into the weekend. Missed you last week on the show. It was a pretty good one. Just to recap, for those who weren't able to listen, I highly recommend it. Uh, Myself and Austin Beck told one of our staff members. uh, We're joined by Pirates optimist Cody Duncan, Talk some uh, I guess, reliability and credibility in journalism, struggles of journalism. Uh, and then we also talked some Pirates baseball. So uh, things are going pretty well. How are you feeling? I know you sound a, a lot better. Or at least you don't sound sick. So that's always a good.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling pretty great. And yeah, kind of like you mentioned on the last pod, that holiday sickness, just ripping through everyone. And good stuff. It was cool to listen to you guys talk. And any anytime we can land a guest like the legendary Cody Duncan of Pirates Twitter can't pass that up, so uh
0: solid work all around. thank you and uh want to thank Cody uh, just take a few minutes and thank him for joining us. Um, he was a really good sport, was able to uh really dissect on some of his thoughts. Um, just all around a great conversation. So, Cody, if you're listening, thank you so much. And thank you, Austin, for joining us. Uh, hopefully Austin comes by tonight. I don't know if he's got RMU to cover or Baldwin, but, uh, if he can stop by, that'd be nice. But, uh, yeah, man, um, things have been, uh, pretty busy, at least on the Pirates front, maybe not in the way that, uh, we'd expected. So I don't know where you want to begin, but man, I'll tell you what, it's been busy. Yeah. I guess
1: we could start with the, um, corresponding moves that, were made. The Pirates made it official today that they signed the old left-hander Rich Hill, um, the one-year, $8 million contract. And the corresponding move to that signing is that Zach Thompson, right-handed pitcher, was designated for assignment. So when I think Zach Thompson, I think of the Jacob Stallings trade and Thompson, I don't know if I would say he was the main return, but he was sort of a piece that was looked as though, you know, he would be an innings eater and kind of provide some depth to the starting rotation, but he's DFA'd. We'll see perhaps if the pirates can make a trade, um to send him elsewhere, or if he's claimed, or if not, he could return to the minor league system. But uh, what are your thoughts on losing Zach Thompson?
0: Um, it sucks. Um, in a way, just because he's a very good guy. Um, for those who read our online content, I had the opportunity to interview Zach when he first came over to the Pirates in the Jacob Stallings trade. The day- that was actually a year
1: ago today, I saw. That was a year yeah. ago today. Yeah, it came up on my time hop. I saw
0: that your interview with him. Um, yeah, that was a year ago today. Oh, that's a, it's a little ironic that he gets DFA a year after I talked to him. Maybe I bring some <laughs> bad luck. But man, I'll tell you what—you want to talk about one of the purest guys you'll ever meet? Zach Thompson is one of those guys, and I mean he—he probably—and I don't want to make speculations too too much because you know I'm obviously I'm not Zach. I don't know how he feels, but. Uh, obviously coming over to the Pirates, he came over during a rough time, saw a lot of the fan backlash. You know, he probably endured a lot of it during the season. But, uh, but for a guy who was able to, you know, strap up his cleats and, you know, put a smile on his face day in and day out, even when he was demoted down to the bullpen, I mean, the guy was just awesome. And um, it's it's kind of – and I know the reason it sucks. I don't know if you saw this, Nate, but Zach actually announced that he and his wife gave birth to a son yesterday. So – Oh, wow. He gets DFA'd a day after having his second kid, his first son, and that's got to feel tough on him. And my hope for him, honestly, is that he's either going to go to somebody who can really utilize him, pay him a decent paycheck, or he does get returned to the minor league system. Because, and, and this is what confuses me, and I don't want this to you know make it sound like I think Zach Thompson is the next ace or one of the best pitchers to ever come through. That's not what I'm trying to get at. The thing I'm getting at is, I believe Thompson had options and to get to DFA him and keep a guy around like, I, I guess Dwayne Underwood is the best example I can think of who both are about equal in terms of ability. Underwood might be a little bit worse. Um, but, and considering they have, they both have a very diverse pitch arsenal. It makes no sense to me why we DFA'd a guy who can eat up innings, who can, you know, who can work a sinker here and there, uh, he knows the major league system. He's been around for a while, and we didn't even give him the opportunity to maybe overcome a bad year. Maybe last year was just the low point of his career, and he could be on the upward trend. Um, I thought it could have been a valuable long relief piece, uh, you know, with his with his um, history as a starter. Maybe a spot starter here and there. Say if there's a a healthy scratch or an injured an injury before the game or something like that, he could go eat innings like that. Um, but. I mean I, I kind of understand it I, I understand it to a point Ben sherrington, I guess is trying to show us that hey we're trying to take as much of 2022 out of our team as possible and put in some of these new players and try to make it look like we're putting putting an effort towards um I guess being a better team, maybe not a contender, but definitely a better team um, so I kind of get it. But I do feel for the guy. I feel like he could have been a, a decent piece force, at least in 2023, if he's serviceable or something like that. And you can get a lottery prospect for him at the deadline. Okay, fine. Uh, but I, I just think that maybe DFAing him was not the not the best option at this time. Uh, but I, I hey, I give him all the credit in the world. Hopefully, he goes somewhere that will treat him like royalty, and he'll actually get some get some decent work in. And all the best to him. Like I said, one of the greatest. But one of the greatest ballplayers I've ever met, one of the nicest people I've ever met.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. You brought up the options. He does have three options left, so that's a little peculiar. I guess, thinking about it, perhaps the Pirates thought of him as a starter, and when you look at their starters now at this point, it's Brubaker, Keller, Contreras, Rich Hill now, and then... Guys like Vince Velasquez, uh, Johan Oviedo and Luis Ortiz, perhaps Thompson fell by the wayside behind those guys. I would have liked him kind of, as you mentioned as a long relief type. Um, but I guess the pirates just decided that they were, they were done with the act Thompson experiment. And I'm not, I'm not totally torn up about it, but it is it's interesting i guess it's it's weird the pirates seem like lately they're kind of cutting ties with some of these early ben sherrington moves um we another transaction that we saw is that Bryce Wilson was traded to the uh Milwaukee Brewers for cash after being d f a that's another guy that was a return in the um rich rod trade to Atlanta. Uh, Thompson was a return in the stallings trade from Miami last off season. So some of these like fringe quad a guys that the pirates um, acquired they're they're kind of turning the page on those guys. They took their chance with Wilson. They took their chance with Thompson, even someone like Michael Chavis, they took their chance with him. But there's a point now where I guess it's time to kind of let the page turn on them. It's it's over. They're done with it. And I, I will say, I mean, Rich Hill is obviously an upgrade starting pitching wise over Zach Thompson. But yeah, it is interesting, and we'll see what happens. Perhaps the Pirates will be able to make a trade and get kind of like a lottery ticket. Um, we'll see. But. Yeah, even Diego Castillo, he was traded. He was a part of the Jameson tie-on trade. He was given to um what was it? Arizona and for uh, Scott Randall, right-handed pitcher Scott Randall. So some of these fringe guys, they're 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 leaving and the Pirates are trying to bring in new talent, I guess. Uh the team does look better, I would say, at this point than it did at this point last year so I'll give the pirates a teeny amount of credit there. But yeah, I'm I'm not too bent out of shape. I raise my eyebrow a little bit because you do look at some of the you look at some of these pitchers on the 40 man. I mean is Chase the Young really that much better than Zach Thompson Is, is like Johan Ramirez better, is Robertson you mentioned Wayne Underwood Jr. Is he better? Who's to say? But that's that's the direction that Sherrington and company went with, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna to be too sad about it.
0: Yeah, and you know, I look at some of these guys that we let go, and I think it sort of pushes the point that they were more placeholders than anything, and I believe I think you were one of the people on the forefront that sort of, uh, I guess, brewed that thought in action. And I I get that. And, you know, it's not like their losses are huge and significant. I mean, Bryce Wilson, aside from maybe two games last year was terrible. Um, Zach Thompson, he was good. Like in the first couple of appearances he had in the season. And then he really fell off, gave up 10 runs in that one game, I believe to Cincinnati, which is not good at all. Um and then Diego Castillo he shined he was a spring training hero and then in the regular season he was just meh fringe quad A like you described so I and, and I mean we're at least getting something I guess back for these guys like Diego Castillo got a Scott Randall a lottery ticket guy who you know we can take our chances on um Bryce Wilson got us cash considerations which who knows what that's going to be used for other than padding Bob Nutting's wallet um. And hopefully Zach Thompson will at least get us something My at least player. maybe serviceable. I, I mean, I think out of all three of those guys, Zach Thompson at least can get us something better. Um, It, it sucks. It really does. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that look at some of these moves and go, you know, okay, we, we got rid of Zach Thompson who could at least eat innings for a guy who's going to turn 43 before the season, but he's serviceable. Oh, I feel like I use that word a lot, but yeah, I'm going to follow up with what you said about the 40 man roster and, You brought up Chase Young. I honestly forgot that he was even on the 40-man roster. That's how forgettable these players are. Him, Underwood, um, maybe even Johan Ramirez. I'm kind of intrigued by him. Uh, But we take away a long-relief roster spot for Vince Velasquez. It is kind of confusing when you look at some of the guys who he kept around. And I feel like Young they kept him around because of his base stats last year. Because he actually... If you look at some, I'm, I'm going to search up his stats right about now. He was yes, lucky. He was very, sure. very lucky. In fact, I think he got it was after that no hitter, that combined no hitter he had in Triple A, where he really started to, I guess, catch fire in the MLB. And I mean, overall, base wise, he was six and three yeah. last year, two sixty four ERA in forty two games, uh, which I think is a little over seventy one innings pitched he had, and then a one point one four WHIP. So not a bad look. And so. I mean, that's his best number since 2018, though. So, of course, the Pirates are going to give him a shot, see if he can replicate that. But given his prior history, that's just not McCard's. So I'm a little confused why we kept him around. Underwood, everybody has been calling for his head for months, even during the season. You know, he was one of those Ben Charrington early acquisition guys who can just carry us through the season. So maybe there's still hope that he's going to be gone and some new face is going to come in. Um, but you know, I, I am kind of shaking my head a little bit. Like we could have maybe kept Thompson. You could, the thing is you can make an argument for some of these guys, why you would rather get rid of them and keep Thompson or the very select crowd that would get rid of some of these guys and keep Bryce Wilson. Cause they have a glimmer of hope for them. But I'm looking back at some of these guys and I, I guess it kind of makes me comfortable knowing that we didn't give up much for these guys that were DFAing. Like, yeah, we gave up clay Holmes for Diego Castillo, but come on, did we really think that? Oh, that's what the trade was, yeah. Sorry, I missed. I was mistaken there. I said the Jameson Dion trade. No, nah, it's good. But even so. Sorry, keep going. No, you're good. Um, but who would have thought Clay Holmes would have been A successful? And B, who would have thought that after that spring training streak that Diego went on, that he was just going to fall off the face of the earth? Yes, more fans than not probably predicted a fall off, but still he kind of he really, really underwhelmed some fans. Um then you look at Zach Thompson, Jacob Stallings. He sucked something long for the first half of twenty twenty two. Second half, he kinda pulled it together, but I wouldn't go that far to say he really resurrected himself. And it's not up to a point where um uh, you know, you can say that the pirates really lost the trade. And I want to bring up something that you and I sort of or that you brought up off record and off the air. And that was there's still hope for guys like Kyle Nicholas. That you are that you advocated for, and then one that I said was Connor Scott. So there's two. There's still two prospects from that Stallings trade that you know could still pan out if they catch some. We'll see what yeah, happens. You, yeah. you never know what they're going to do this coming season. Uh, Bryce Wilson. Looking back on it, I guess it was kind of a lose lose trade because Rich Rod got pounded for Peds so or for PEDs. So I, I mean, you take the good with the bad. You gave up a pitcher who was busted for steroids for a guy who sucked. You look at it as a lose-lose trade. So. And then Michael Chavis, you mentioned that. We gave up Austin Davis, who was awful, is awful, and isn't that good. And Chavis gave us a decent season at first base. Um, hitting-wise wasn't the greatest, but still he provi- he was able to get us through 2022. So... Looking back on it, it wasn't as bad as a lot. As some people might make it out to be. Yeah, it sucks because you look at the track record and say, "Well, these guys; these are guys that Ben Charrington brought in." Yeah, but look at it this way: they were placeholders. They weren't meant to be the long term future. Maybe Bryce Wilson was because of his performance in the postseason. Maybe he was supposed to be that under the radar guy, but it wasn't. I don't consider these total losses. We we filled their spots with some valuable talent: Sands, Vince Velasquez. Um, so. I mean, you can make an argument as to why this is sort of a positive thing. And like you said, because this is now trying to make the team better. It's about stepping up. It's not about having these, you know, quad A players just eat innings. So, I mean, to me, I think it's a win. I don't see this as much of a problem. There are still names that I would like to see out the 40-man roster, but it is what it is. I'll take what I Yeah,
1: man. I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking – on january fifth twenty twenty three a happy new year to you um also should say, but I think the roster right now at this point in the off season is better than it was to end the twenty twenty two season and i mean you look at it we're i don't know if the pirates are going to make any more moves, obviously, we still have to see if the pirates choose to trade Brian Reynolds. Um, I guess we could talk about that a little bit. There was the report that uh, it looked as though the Pirates and Brian Reynolds were $50 million separated in terms of negotiating a new contract. So I I believe the first report of what the Pirates were offering was something Kind of in the Brian Hayes realm, probably a little bit more. So, even if you want to round up and say that the Pirates offered a hundred million, I'm just throwing a number out there. Reynolds wanted fifty million more than that, and it's it's interesting because on one hand, I could see the side of thinking I don't want to be paying Brian Reynolds. 28 million dollars in his age 36 season. That's totally, totally fair, totally a fair argument. On the other hand, I don't really care, it's not my money. And you look at revenue sharing that just keeps growing and growing. Who cares if you have one sort of albatross ish type of contract in 2028 or whatever? I, I just I would love if the Pirates could just pony up for one time and tr- you know, give give their star player the money instead of trading him. But here we are. He's still a Pirate. I don't know if the Pirates are going to trade him this offseason. I would say still it's probably about 50-50. But I will say, too, I'm glad that they haven't pulled the trigger yet on something that's underwhelming. Uh, it seems like the pirates are really holding out at this point to try to get the utmost biggest return they can. So I don't want to speak too much on the Brian Reynolds situation because I feel like this has been kind of the story of the off season beaten into the ground and we just have to really wait and see what happens. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on the $50 million gap, the lack of a trade, um so far and do you think he'll be a pirate in 2023 to start the season
0: Hmm. first of all i think it's ridiculous that all this is happening over 50 million dollars that's chump change to over half of the league and I, I get where you're coming from you don't want to pay brian reynolds uber's amount of money when he's 36 36- yeah i don't agree with that take i just understand it just want to point that right. out there. Right, right, right. And, you know, I kind of, I understand it as well. But if I'm the Pirates and if I want to make Brian Reynolds, if I agree with what they say and what, Brian, what Ben Charrington is feeding us, and that is Brian is a key part to the team and a key part to the future, well, walk him in. Don't, don't, don't uh, argue over peanuts. Don't argue over $50 million. Pay the man. He has proven time and time and again that he is one of the best players on the team if not the best player on the team, I can see why they went with key Brian Hayes and the contract. He did the kid is injury prone. He's young. He wasn't scooped up by some guy like Scott Boris yet. And he hasn't really proven himself. So buy low, whenever he's young, I kind of get that Brian Reynolds has proven that he can be a really good player. So I could see why they don't want to maybe pull the trigger on signing him to, you know, to a long-term, uh, I guess, Buku deal for the, for the future. I kind of see that. But at the same time, like if you're really trying to build for the future, show some fans that you are, like you said, willing to pony up and pay the man. And I mean, I to, to answer your question about if I think he's going to be a pirate in 2023, I do. But I think he's going to be gone by July by, or by the deadline, I should say. Um, yeah. The pirates will right. let him sort of establish himself, see what he can do. And if he can go on a hot streak, you know, throughout the first half of the season, then they're going to cash in on it and get something big. Like they're, I, they're not going to settle for anything less than a top one prospect. They've already, yeah, you can't settle for they that, can't. especially with that control. There are so many teams that want a player with the amount, with the, with the time of control that Brian Reynolds possesses with the Pirates. First of all, I think it's BS that the Pirates are even toying with that. It's literally like dangling a worm and Brian Reynolds is subjected to it but they also want to get the best possible return as possible. And, you know, first of all, let's take a step, uh, like a sidestep here. And I want to just say every fan that proposes a trade for Brian Reynolds that is not a pirate fan, your proposals suck. There is a reason why you guys are not general managers. And another thing I'd like to make clear, that trade simulator sucks. And they need to shut that website down. Someone needs to report it as... You know, a porn site or something, have it taken take down. They can't Damn. have this anymore. But back to the original <laughs> subject at hand. I do think he's going to be a pirate until about the trade deadline. If he does well and does really well, he's going to net a big haul. And I think it's going to be considered a big win for Ben Charrington if they do. If he just puts up mediocre numbers, but, you know, they're they're good for the pirates. Good numbers for the pirates, but mediocre anywhere else then they're going to deal in one way or another and they're still going to try to get the best the best offer that they can but it's not going to be as luxurious as they hope it is. So, yes and no he's going to be a pirate in 2023.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I don't know where I stand on both like my my wish is that they would just sign him to a 6-year no, we'll say we'll say seven-year extension for, what, $140 million, whatever. That That's my hope, but as we know, that's the 99.99% chance is not going to happen. So, yeah, I guess I would like to see him open this season with the Pirates because part of me, there's a small part of me that thinks – that this team, like, looking at it, they could be fairly competitive for a little while. I'm not saying playoffs. I don't even know if 500's on the table, but if you look at it now, they're, I believe they're, um, one of their projected win totals was at least 70, so that's a step up. But, I mean, I'm starting to look at this roster a little bit, and I'm starting to like what I'm seeing. I mean, I'll just go through it real quick. The rotation, I like... Brubaker, Keller, Hill, Contreras. That's a pretty nice nice little top four. We'll see Luis Ortiz at some point. We'll see Mike Burrows at some point. We might have to deal with Vince Velasquez for a little while, but whatever. Hopefully he has a very short leash, and by the end of April, he's in the bullpen. We'll see what Yohan Oviedo has to do. The, starting pitching-wise, I kind of like where this team is headed. Uh, the bullpen, Bednar at the end. Um, and we'll see. the The Pirates have picked up some some talent. I would say Harlan Garcia is a nice little piece. We'll see what Jose Hernandez can offer from the Rule Five draft. Um, Will Crow was great last year until the Pirates, you know, blew out his arm basically by making him pitch every day. Gary De Los Santos, he should be back. We'll see what a full season of Colin Holderman looks like. The bullpen could be pretty decent. Um, you know, you look at the catching position. Austin Hedges is a nice placeholder, and I will say, um, when it's time for Andy Rodriguez and or Henry Davis to get called up, Hedges is a perfect backup catcher. That I don't think as far as backups go, I don't think there's a better backup that you could have, honestly, between his defensive prowess his ability to call games and to mentor young catchers like Andy and uh davis that they're probably not quite ready to be big league catchers on an everyday basis someone like hedges could help first base obviously santana and Choi, and you throw in connor joe a little bit if you need to middle infield we got rodolfo castro at second we got cruz at shortstop Mix in a little Bay, mix in a little Marcano. I'm all right with that. In the outfield, I'm I'm excited to see what a Jack sawinski Connor Joe platoon looks like. Um, Brian Reynolds in center. I hope he's still here. I guess perhaps I'd like to see them add one more outfielder, and perhaps if I could wish for one last signing for the Pirates this off season. It would be Andrew McCutcheon just for, I think one, it would complete a nice, a decent little off season. And two, I just think it would be a nice feel good story for the team. I'd like to see Andrew McCutcheon wear the Pirates Jersey one more time, but I don't know. I just went through the whole team. Like if, if things fall, right. If O'Neal Cruz is an absolute superstar, like a lot of people think is possible If uh, Hayes, I don't even mention him at third base. I forgot third base. If Hayes can hit a little bit, if Brian Reynolds can be somewhere in between his 2021 and 2022 self, that's an all-star. This team is at least headed somewhere. Plus, there will be reinforcements on the pitching end, and there will be reinforcements from position players like Davis, like Rodriguez, like uh, Paguero, like Nick Gonzalez. So this team is headed somewhere. Um, I don't know. Signing Brian Reynolds would be nice. We'll see what happens. But I do like where this team is headed. I don't even remember what my original point was. But uh, I guess I'm I'm slightly optimistic at this point right now.
0: It's good to be cautiously optimistic. I think that's probably the best way to describe this is, you know, they're like you said, they're not ready to win a championship. They're not even ready to contend really, but as long as we can bring the record closer, keep the loss column under a hundred losses hell, keep it under 90. Then I think that'll be considered a major step up for the pirates. And the one thing I'm noticing aside from some of the season vets they brought in like Santana and Hill, they are, they seem like they're adding a lot of versatility to their lineup and their, well, just their 40-man roster in of itself. I mean, Andy Rodriguez, he's the biggest example. The dude can catch, and that's his primary position, but he can also play second outfield. Like, he's one of those great utility players. G1 Bay yeah. Bay's being developed into a utility player. He's looking to get more reps in the outfield. Because Rodolfo Castro, a lot of people are high on him at second base just because he showed a lot of promise toward the end of last year, and rightfully so. Um, Jared Triolo's got more or got some flexibility. He can play the outfield along with third base, maybe even first base too. Connor Joe, primary outfielder, can play first if needed. Same with Miguel Andujar. So you look up and down this lineup and you see a lot of versatility. Sure, you got your normal guys who can um you know who can play the regular their regular positions and stay there, and they're probably mainstays, but a lot of flexibility, and I think that's something that Ben Charrington really wanted for. But If I'm following your steps, I would love an Andrew McCutcheon reunion. I'm about ready to dig up my article I wrote last year on bring him home. Um, But I think it just makes too much sense. I will say, I think he's going to sign a one-day contract when he's ready to retire and retire as a pirate. He'd be stupid not to. But I I would love to absolutely see him back. Um, I'd love to see him back in Pittsburgh actually playing every day, but to each their own. I'm with you, though. I would like to see maybe one or two final moves before, you know, the you know things start picking up in terms of spring training. Um, hopefully we see that. Hopefully we see a pretty good trade come our way. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. But uh, going back to the original point, there is a lot of hope for this year. Maybe not to get to where we actually want to be, but at least to have a better 2023. Um, I'm looking at <laughs> Buck's dugout, and we released... A, I believe a poll question or an SB Nation Reacts question, and it is, do the Pirates have, or will the Pirates have, a better record this year than last year? Nate, I really want to get your thoughts on this. My thoughts initially are absolutely, I think the bar is set pretty low for the Pirates, and to me, I think if they can keep it under 95 losses, then I'll say that this is a much better season Where do you think, and you may have alluded to it already, you know, in our last subject of conversation, but do you think the Pirates will have a better year in 2020?
1: Yeah, it's funny you look at it. In 2021, they were 61 and 101. 2022 last season, 62 and 100, which what a great improvement from 21 to 22. But uh, jokes aside, uh Yeah, no, I look at this team right now and I guess it really depends how they start the season because, yeah, on paper, this team is better than last year's team, but we're optimistic, caution, in a caution, you know, cautious state, but you look at it, someone like Santana could get traded at the deadline. Hedges could get traded at the deadline. Hill could get traded at the deadline. If Vince Velasquez shows anything, he could be traded at the deadline. So we'll see. If the Pirates are, say, 10 games under 500 at the trade deadline and they decide to trade everyone for lottery ticket prospects. There's a chance that they could totally bottom out and crater out and be terrible again. But at the same time, no, I think, I think there's enough young talent in place to where they'll definitely be better in 23. I look at it right now. I would say this is about a seventy seventy 70 to 74 win team at this point. Um, and I would take that for 2023. And then hopefully in 2024, they add more. Hopefully in 2024, O'Neill Cruz is like an established all-star. And we'll see. But I think, yeah, this team is a lot better this year than it was last year.
0: I agree. And one thing I think the Pirates really need to capitalize on right now, if they are looking at long-term success, and if we're on the subject of extensions – Extend O'Neal Cruz. Don't let him become the next Aaron Judge. Don't let him become a Boris client. If you want him at shortstop for the long term for your next championship team, if you are willing to build one, you need to lock him up now because he already knows how good he is. Wait until he puts up a spectacular season with an average above 300, OPS above 900, and about maybe like 30 to 40 home runs. Wait until he sees that. Because if you don't lock him up yet, and he has that type of season, there's no chance that you're going to be able to lock him up without really spending some you know, big market money, which we all know the Pirates won't do.
1: Yeah, it's like a game of chicken, honestly. And it just, you know, the moment, like you said, the moment Cruz has a seven-war season, it's over. He's not coming back. He will have outpriced himself out of Pittsburgh. So why would you want to take that chance? I guess maybe in the Pirates' viewpoint, they don't think that he's that type of player yet, and they can get away with this season, next season, to where Cruz isn't uh, an all-star. But I I don't know. O'Neill Cruz last season, he struggled when he came up. He looked pretty bad to start. He still ended the year with a 1.2 war. Uh, In September last season, he hit like 290 with – he slugged well over 500. He was awesome. Uh, He really started to figure some stuff out. So I – as far as like the 23 season goes, I could see maybe – maybe he gets off to a slow April. Maybe it's May and he's hitting like 200 or something like that. But he's going to get hot – and he's going to carry this team for weeks at a time, maybe months at a time. And by the by, the end of 2023, I think we look at O'Neal Cruz and I think we see maybe a 240 average, but the on-base is up towards 320. And that slugging is creeping towards 500. Maybe not above 500 quite yet, but I could see... Uh, I'll just throw it out there now. 240, 320, 490 slugging with close to 30 home runs. Um, heck, he slugged 450 last season in the 361 plate appearance, appearances that he had, 17 home runs. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. He's hitting 30 home runs next year. Like it's going to happen. Injuries aside, he's going to hit 30 home runs. Um, so, yeah, I agree. If I'm if I'm GM if I'm the owner of the Pirates I offer O'Neill Cruz twelve years two hundred million dollars and you know how do you say no to that if you're O'Neill Cruz that would that would give him stability forever that would give him generational money um uh, that's what I do but we'll see what happens uh I don't I don't know how how long I can hammer that point in, but I agree with you totally.
0: Yeah, we'll see what he does. I know you said he struggled, but hey, growing pains are in everyone. So I think once, now that he's finally established major league pitching, I think things might be a little bit different for him.
1: For sure. Uh, Jake, I don't know if, if there's anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up this episode.
0: Uh, just a couple bullet points. One, Pirates re-signed journeyman, uh, minor league giant, journeyman Drew Maggi. To a minor league deal. I know nobody could give a crap about him, but good to see that he's back home, I guess. Question mark. Um, and for those who don't know and don't follow our website, which why don't you, it's at bucksdugout.com. I released a piece earlier today that I saw across Twitter. Pirates are in the running, and I use that in quotes, for a one of the top ten international free agents. We all know the international signing period is uh Coming up in about 10 days or less, depending on when you hear this episode. And his name is, and I apologize if I butcher this, Kim, or Junkshak Shim. Uh, he is 18 years old, but he is one of the most dominant arms I've ever seen. He has a four-pitch arsenal. His four-seam fastball, he's 18, just to remind you. He's 18, but his four seam tops out at hundred and sits anywhere between 94 to 96. Nate, he hit mid nineties as a freshman in high school. I don't know what you were doing as a freshman in high school, but me, I was barely doing anything in baseball, but yet this kid is outstanding. I feel like if the Pirates are able to ink a deal with him, because according to reports, they're the most aggressive team for him. Boy, I think we're going to have one of the best international free agent signings in, in recent.
1: Yeah, that would be uh, super exciting, and yeah, when I when I was a freshman in high school, I was probably happy to top out at like 68 miles an hour on my fastball, so yeah, that would be quite the get, and for a team like the Pirates, the international market is the way to go, and that, that's, that's one way that you can really stockpile a lot of talent, so hopefully the Pirates can land him, and Keep uh, keep building this farm system out. So that's uh that would be a very nice get.
0: Yep. But other than that, that's all I have. Just a couple news headlines, and um, you can read about at least the international uh, international stud at bucksdugout dot com. Hopefully, to have something on Drew Maggi here in a couple of days.
1: Yeah, for sure. And hopefully next week, the next time we talk, we uh, can talk about the international market a little more. Maybe. The Pirates will have made some signings. We will see. All right, Jake, where can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter underscore awesome. You can follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout, and you can follow me, Nathan Hirsch, at Nathan underscore Hirsch. We will be back next week talking some buckos and. Yeah, we'll see what happens between now and then. Hopefully, we can stay nice and healthy. Hopefully, our seasonal sickness is behind us. And with that, everyone have a great rest of your day and peace out.